Hello and welcome to another episode of Football Furioso. I am your host, Norris Howard, joined alongside my blood brother, Nolan, the wing back. What's up, my guy? Had a cup raised yesterday. Man. Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast. Weekend. A great weekend. Listen, like we said, we are Nigerian by blood and it was tough to see the Super Eagles go down. But I, I just got to say this before we get started with the show proper is the story of Sebastian Holler. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, plays for Borussia Dortmund, came from Ajax, you know, a guy who came from Ajax and Dortmund, a little bit older than you expect for a player of that caliber. Uh, a couple seasons ago, uh, right right before everything came back from COVID, was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Uh, his entire career, and not just his career, his life mm-hmm. was in doubt. Uh, ends up you know, full recovery from from testicular cancer, full remission, gets back to playing for Dortmund at the highest level, almost won the Bundesliga title last year, and ends up uh, the starting striker for the Ivory Coast and gets the match-winning goal in stoppage time in Abdijan, the capital of the Ivory Coast. You could not write a better story than that. You can't, and it was in the eighty-first minute, like right near the yeah, you know, not stoppage time, but near the end. Well, yeah, near the end, and it's just like you love these stories. This is why you love sports in general, but you just love a comeback story. And for him to be able to even just have the mental capacity going through all that and seeing that light at the end of the tunnel, I think that this is a perfect ending for him. So I can't even be mad at it. You can't. <laughs> and, and, you know, again, obviously, it's, people talk about all oh, the World Cup and this, this, that, and the third. Man, these these Continental Cups are huge uh, for these countries. And, and AFCON, in my opinion, and I've said this many times, the Euros is cool, but the Euros to me is just a World Cup, uh, just a big World Cup qualifier. Mm-hmm. Like it might as well be. Like it's fun to watch. But when you think about, you know, uh, 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 Copa, Copa America and the African Cup of Nations, like Asia Cup is getting there. But you think about those two, like South America's Continental Cup and then Africa's, it, it, the, the, the level of excitement and of and of participation because that's the highest level of football those continents get. Mm-hmm. Like it don't get no higher than those. That's one some of the only times those those people will be able to see, you know, the Sadio Mane's and the and the Mohamed Salahs and the and the Neymar's and the, the and the Lionel Messi. This is sometimes sometimes the only opportunity they will get to see those players at the peak of their powers. And um, I love the continental competitions and AFCON is is the most entertaining one to me. Yeah. And I like the energy that the fans bring. You know, they return that energy back. You know, a lot of these players from like especially Africa Cup of Nations wouldn't come back for this tournament. You know, they were like, well, I don't want to, you know, put the extra amount of miles on my legs. But you watch them come back and play at the high level. And these matches were hotly contested. There weren't too many blowouts and just bad matches in the whole in the whole cup. No. And the thing about it is AFCON is the most competitive continental cup competition like mm-hmm. in in europe you pretty much got the same f- six to seven teams consistently in the mix germany will always be in the mix spain france england sweden to a certain on or off sweden you know when ibrahimovic was there switzerland will always be in the mix austria like there are like a handful of nations that will always be there well african cup of nations you have no clue you have <laughs> no clue who is going to make the, the knockout rounds, the champions, the Ivory Coast, lost twice yeah. on the way to the knockout stages and somehow barely made it in 
stoppage time winners, you know, extra time, all the penalties, everything. It's just the Africa Cup of Nations has everything. And the best part about it is I believe outside of, I believe outside of the Ivory Coast, None of the nations, no, I think it was, I think it was Morocco. I saw the Ivory Coast, Morocco. None of the teams that were in the top eight last AFCON were in the top eight this AFCON. So only six or only two of the last top eight from the last AFCON made it to the to the round of eight. And that's how it should be. Just level competition, good energy from all of the countries involved. So kudos to, to AFCON. Yeah, definitely, definitely. If you if you ever have a chance, by the way, AFCON runs every two years. So uh, you always have a chance to watch it. Uh, so if you want to see a great final, you want to see some great matches, go and watch the highlights of AFCON uh, for that. So we are actually, because we had a nice little conversation about that, going to take the quickest of breaks and then we're going to be right back and get into the Premier League coming up. Everybody, and welcome back to Football Furioso Soccer at the Speed of Sound. Uh, Norris Howard here alongside Nolan, the wing back, and we are going to get deep into the Premier League match day 24. And we got to start with the most comprehensive victory of the entire weekend. Arsenal saying, don't forget about us. Yeah. Don't forget about us. We are in the mix. They Batter West Ham, who did beat them earlier, by the way, in the reverse fixture at the Emirates. But Arsenal went to London Stadium 6 0, Nolan. Six, I'm getting cooked. I mean, 6 0 is, is something that's crazy, especially given that West Ham, if you know, they're at the top of the table, sort of. Yeah, top half. Yeah, top half of the table. And this match was, it was dominated. I mean, this might be one of the most dominating matches I've seen in a while. As far as the energy that Arsenal came, I mean, it looked like they were playing a team in in in, in EFL League in One, League Two, yeah. yeah. Like so, it's kudos to Arsenal though. I mean, you look at their star players; they all showed up. Saka showed up, Gabriel showed up, Saliba showed up. I mean, everyone showed up at their top class. Um, and then Declan Rice capping it off at the end to make it six 0 with a with a goal that there were no West Ham players around. He just said, "Okay, I'll take this," and scored a beautiful curler from outside of the box. I mean, that summed it up, and there were, you can't get any worse for West Ham. No, you can't. And, and, and let me let me put it this way: um, you know, again, that midfield is suspect. Mm-hmm. Calvin Phillips, non-factor. So bringing him on board, I have no idea what he was supposed <laughs> to do because he came in in the second half. It didn't get no better. You know what I mean? But in the first half, the midfield was completely dominated. Arsenal had carte blanche of the entire field. They sat deep. West Ham didn't get into the box until the 60th minute. They had zero touches in the Arsenal box in 60 minutes. Yeah. I'm sorry, bro. That's that's relegation form. Mm-hmm. That is a team that don't want to play. Yeah. And the game plan that says we don't want to play. So yeah. I, I, I'm be honest, David Moyes. I know he's a legendary coach. Nobody has won more matches. I think, if I if I recall correctly, I think David Moyes. Nobody's managed more matches in the Premier League than Dave, David Moyes. But also, nobody's lost more matches in the Premier League than David Moyes. It was too negative. It was so negative from West Ham. Man. Yeah, and I'll I'll even add on kind of a secondary piece here. 
when you have matches like that, there's always been an issue with the London Stadium and energy. And a lot of times when you go down that 1-0, 2-0 there, you watch West Ham heads fall, the whole stadium gets quiet. And Arsenal had so much joy on the pitch. You could tell that West Ham were just deep in a hole. And I think that that also adds to it. They don't get anything from the fans a lot of times when they go down because of that stadium. Yeah, and and, and it was it, it was tough to watch, I think, if you're looking at it from a West Ham perspective. Obviously, I wanted to start there before talking a little bit more about Arsenal. Um, but it was 4-0 before the end of the first half. And the stadium was half empty. Mm -hmm. By the time halftime was over, the stadium was half empty. And to me, like, I know a lot of people say, listen, the fans pay for their tickets. They can leave early if they want to. There's not many ways they can protest. For me, I'd rather stay and boo you. Yeah. Like, I'm just chaotic and negative, I guess. (laughs) But for me, I I just feel like that is more motivating than leaving. I feel like I'd be more demoralized by looking up and noticing everybody just left. Like, it's not even worth our time anymore to stay and boo you. Mm -hmm. Like, it was so bad. But going on to Arsenal, Nolan, I got to ask you, you know, how much of of a stamp and a a push back into the title race was this match for Arsenal? Because like you said, all the big names showed up. Uh, Two goals from Saka, Trossard with a great curler from just inside the box. Two goals from set pieces from... Gabriel and Saliba and then Declan Rice with the goal you just described you know this has to be a emphatic stamp for them to be to be back in the, in the mix I have to say it is I think that you know a couple of weeks ago I kind of counted them back and said they took a step back I think this is a big leap forward including the match last week with Liverpool I just think their energy and their idea is starting to really get cemented now and I think that they are getting closer to that to that ending line, you start to see their heads pick up more. They have that urgency. I think Mikel Arteta has a clear plan. They also have all of their players right now for the most part. So you you look at it and you say, well, 6-0, I mean, I don't see them dropping this energy towards the next couple of weeks. So Yeah, and, and I just, there's a little bit, of, I don't want to call it insider information, but a Arsenal fan information <laughs> is that, you know, in the, after the holiday break, after the New Year's, um, the whole team took a trip to dubai mm. and they all uh just just played you know they just played and worked on set pieces and that was the big thing is like all the players came back and said we just really drilled set pieces all the whole time and when you think about that and you think about how they've been playing what they've been able to do arsenal is that everybody used to say they can't score against the low block the low block is how you beat Arsenal because they can't penetrate. You know, uh, Odegaard can't find the passing lane. Saka isn't going to dribble past. Martinelli is really their only way to penetrate through the lines. And if he's not in form, they can't do anything. Well, now they just said we don't have to because they're using the set pieces, which you will get when you put teams under pressure. They're breaking you open with the set pieces. It's almost inevitability that they will score from a set piece in any given game. And then you have to come out because you have to try to score now. And they're using that to to take advantage. And we saw that against Liverpool. We saw that against West Ham where they go up, they use the set piece, they go up, they create some kind of chaos, get an early goal, and now you have to come out and play football. And I think that that is the key to them being able to continue to be competitive uh, 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 for the rest of the season because I, I feel like if they go – to the Etty had it really not now that some of these big matches are over. The match at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the match at the Etty had both of those teams are gonna want to play. 
And I'm going to be honest, I don't see too many teams that can go ball for ball and out try to outplay Arsenal. City might be the only team that can do it. Yeah. So we'll see, especially with De Bruyne back. Yeah. So we will see, but this is a huge step forward for Arsenal. Speaking of huge leaps forward, we got to talk about Manchester United. What a run they are having. This is the first time I'm doing this. Yeah, this honestly. season for Manchester United. <laughs> this is weird for for both of us right now. It's so strange. Nolan, hit us with the hit us with the notes because they beat Aston Villa two to one. Yeah, they went into Villa Park, which was a fortress up until about three weeks ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hojland opened up the scoring there. Um, at the 17th minute and he's been on a good run of form I think he scored in all five of his last Premier League matches so they're starting to kind of get a striker at the top um, Douglas Luis though second half I mean Aston Villa were fighting back you saw it it was a hotly contested match back and forth um, Douglas Luis scores a goal kind of does a shimmy shake I kind of I love that <laughs> celebration by the way I, I I am all for just go look it up just Douglas Luis celebration if you haven't seen it but yeah he does like a shoulder wag I love it on I his thought he'll just just a right in front shimmy. of Onana too <laughs> yeah. like I thought it was great yeah um but then it was hotly contested for another 15 minutes but then Scott Matamane I, I mean I don't understand this kid Listen, when are y'all going to put more respect on Scott McTominay's name? Because the thing for me is that we spent all season hearing from Manchester United fans about how Scott McTominay is a bum. We heard of this all last season. He needs to be shipped off. And now this man is saving matches for the entirety of, of the Manchester United club. Scott McTominay, you got to love that guy. And yeah, he comes on and he gets a beautiful hair. I mean, this is one of those just old school just old school power headers. headers right in front of the goalkeeper yep. goalkeeper's hands fly in the air there's nothing you can do and he knew what he knew what he meant to do so you can tell he's getting even better at that and he's getting confident so United win 2-1 it was a match where I believe 5 versus 6 they both played each other and I mean United only 5 points away from, from Villa I'm I mean, sorry from Spurs from Spurs <laughs> like here's the crazy thing is that Manchester United in a in a season as crazy as this one as bad as they've been at certain stretches could mess around and might make Champions League. Like they're they're already kissing Europa League mm-hmm. because we said this. You know, as much as we talked up about Villa, Villa's a good team. They're a good side, but we said, do they have the ability to sustain through a season? I believe it was last month or a few shows ago that I said we seen this before with Arsenal last year, where here they are on a tirade for three fourths of the season, and we get down to the nitty gritty, and they can't keep up. They can't keep it up because these players have never been there before in that position. Um, but some of these players with Manchester United have, mm-hmm. and I think you're starting to see not just some of the veterans stop making the stupid mistakes that they were making at the beginning of the season, but you're starting to see the young guns step up. You're starting to see McTominay put the team on his back. Kabi Mainu is having a stretch of solid matches. Harnacho is having a stretch of solid matches. Hoyland, as you just said, starting to get in his goals. So I think when we're talking about Manchester United, we all forget Arsenal still got to go to Old Trafford too. Mm-hmm. So that could be a tough match. So, you know, looking at where the overall sort of standings of the European spots go. If I had to pick a team to sneak in and make Europa League, I think I think the wins are at United's back right now. 
Yeah, and you look at the team, they almost are starting to play for each other a little bit. Like they have, I won't say an aura about them, but you see that they have an identity now. Now, whether that's from Ten Hag or from the players themselves saying, you know what, we're better than this in general, we'll never really know until you know later down the line. But I look at United and I say, you know, what's going to really stop them besides themselves? Yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing that always stopped them, we felt like. So I want to kind of pivot a little bit to Villa, though, too. Um, Villa didn't play bad, to be honest. I mean, they they went toe-for-toe with United, uh, but they've been starting to kind of slide a little bit, especially towards the end of matches. You watch their, their heads drop a little bit. The focus drops a little. But I'll read this off to you. The next three matches, they have to get points, or else I'm be honest, I'm kind of off the Villa in the Europa spot. They play Fulham, Nottingham Forest, and Luton. After you got to win all three. And then after that, they play Spurs. So No, you have to win all three, and you mm-hmm. might have to win at Spurs, too. Yeah, so they need some points to stay afloat. Yeah. So you have to win. And, and, and the thing for me about Villa, obviously, we're looking at squad depth. I think that's going to be a big thing moving forward. But even beyond that is that we're starting to see that if, you know, uh, uh, the, the men up top are not producing the goals, they don't win. Mm-hmm. They, they just flat out don't win. Um, so, you know, obviously Louise got his goal, but you ain't going to depend on that guy to score week in, week out, right? If Ali ain't scoring week in, week out, Villa don't win. That's true. So I, I think they got some I think they got some soul searching to do about, you know, where where either where we could get goals from elsewhere or how are we going to facilitate Ali Watkins even more? Uh, because as it stands right now, to your point, um, if you drop points in any of those matches, you're in danger of falling out of the European spots. Uh, moving forward uh, in a very exciting match, Tottenham versus Brighton. Tottenham end up winning in deep in the stoppage time. I mean, almost the the the, the last second of the match, Brendan Johnson with a winner uh, from Hyun Son, who had returned back from the uh, Asia Cup. Uh, again, just proving how vital uh, I think Son is to this team. Uh, Brighton, just like Villa, and I want to start at Brighton, just like Villa. You know, we everybody's always so high on, on Brighton and on Deserby and his style of play and how Brighton, you know, get things done. But ultimately, they are not looking great either. Uh, and, and they are not in the European spots right now. They should be contending, but they're not. Um, what does Brighton need to do to sort of turn this around? Because the more I watch this team and the more I look at Brighton, the more I go, who's the star man here? Yeah. Who's the star man here? Well, when I look at Brighton as well, they always put up a fight, even with whatever they have out there. You can see the the ideas are there, the players. They do have the players. But then you start to it starts to trail off near the end of the match. It seems like a lot for them when those initial ideas don't work. They just kind of fall off a little bit. And so Matoma did come back um, yeah. as well. So he was in the starting side. He had an okay match. But to your point, I mean, you look at it. Danny Welbeck did not have a good match at all. Um, Pascal Groves did re- get the the goal that they um, got from a penalty. But then you look at Billy Gilmore or Buenote. You know they have you know lackluster matches. So I think they have to get a lot more um, from the back a little bit. You see like the Lewis dunks. I mean, their defenders just don't really do much in the match. So I think that it's putting too much emphasis on the attack and not enough on overall squad play to push the, to push the ball forward. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I agree with that. And moving on to, to Tottenham, you know, looking at Spurs, you got to say, 
when Madison, Son, and Richarlison are all healthy and they're all playing, um, they're going to be a tough team to beat because they're going to come at you. And they're all dynamic players. I think Madison was was pretty on par during this match. Uh, obviously, Son came in and got the vital assist. But you're starting to see the bit players step up. Mm-hmm. You know, Brendan Johnson, obviously, uh, Vandevin gave away uh, the penalty that led to the goal. I, I don't want to call it a soft penalty, but... You know, it's one of those ones where it's like, um, you could have did better. <laughs> right. But, um, I, I'm, you know, you're starting to see a lot of kind of the spursiness. I don't want to say dissipate, but it's becoming more minimal. And I think that's really key uh, as Spurs try to maintain that top four spot because, like I said, you know, United are are, are really showing that they're up for a, a Europa spot or Europa or a Champions League spot run. And Tottenham just have to get to a point where they maintain this course. If they maintain this course, maintain the style of play, maintain putting at least two to three goals on the board every match, you keep that going, you will hold on to the top four spot. You will make Champions League in a a season that, to be honest, I think most people looked at them and said, man, they have no chance at making Champions League. You look and say, okay, Arsenal, Liverpool, uh, 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 Arsenal, Liverpool, City, probably a lot for top three. Mm. All right, Villa is doing what they doing. Oh my God! Wow, Villa, Newcastle, they 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 had an amazing season, and and they aren't necessarily any weaker. So you know they're gonna have to contend with them. But it just so happens that you know some of those teams fell off, and 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 I think Tottenham, if they keep this energy, they will hold on to the top four spot. Yeah, and I'll add just one small tidbit as well. I got to have to give a, not a shout out, but I think Vicario controls that back line a little very well as well. When it comes to Udogi and uh, Pedro Pearl pushing up, you watch Christian Romero and Mickey Vandeman, they're so smart in the back as well. So when those plays do give up and Udogi and Pearl are coming back, you watch Vicario come way out to make sure that, that things are covered. So I got to give right. a shout out to the defenders as well. No, definitely. I just need Vicario. Vicario's got to be better in the air mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think that's the one weak point in this game um but solid keeper man i yeah. mean <laughs> we always said what would they do after loris and they i think they found a diamond in the rough mm-hmm. uh in, in vicario uh moving forward newcastle versus nine and four is newcastle again making life tough for themselves what is going <laughs> on with eddie house newcastle because i feel like anytime you look at a fixture that should be a gimme for newcastle they find a way to make it dramatic when it don't need to be. Yeah, and it's to Forrest as well. And, you know, that's credit to Forrest. They came back. They went up in the match. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. They caught back up to tie the match two times. Um, but Newcastle, they just they shoot themselves in the foot so much. And you're only going to get so far, I feel like, in the season doing that. Yeah. You're going to get those bad losses to a couple teams you should beat. And then when you start playing the Liverpools and those bigger teams, you know, those are always toss-ups. So, Newcastle right now, are, they're just kind of worrying me. They're in seventh, so they're not doing horrible technically. Yeah, but, but they, they had higher aspirations. Exactly. So if you ask me, are they falling short? I think they technically are falling short right now. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, again, credit to Nottingham Forest. They are trying to keep themselves out of the relegation battle, but it's not looking good for them. I, I got to say, they got dealt. A very lucky hand, a very lucky hand because of the Sheffield United Luton result. Mm -hmm. Sheffield United go to Kenilworth World. Nobody gave them a snowball's chance in hell to do anything at Kenilworth Road. They end up winning three to one against Luton. 
Inform Luton, who hadn't lost a match in almost 10 matches Luton. Well, that's my problem. Every time we bring up something and we say, hey, we're hopping on a Luton train, they throw us right off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, that's that's why, you know, I, I, I think that's what makes the bottom of the table so interesting, right? I mean, listen, Sheffield, they still going down. Mm-hmm. I mean, a valiant effort, but y'all done. Um, Luton had the opportunity to really push out of that battle, to really push above uh Everton and really push above Forest. Uh but they they didn't take advantage at home and, and that's going to have massive ramifications uh for the uh relegation uh, uh battle. Now, the rest of the matches in the league, Man City beat Everton 2-0, Man City who get two goals from Erling Haaland in the second half. Everton played them tough to about the 60th minute, then the floodgates kind of opened, but uh they they uh definitely need those points to maintain their push for the title. Liverpool beat Burnley 3 to 1, fairly routine, although I think most of the uh, Reds up there will be upset they didn't keep the clean sheet. Brentford end up beating Wolves two to nil. Fulham beat Bournemouth three to one, and uh, Chelsea beat Palace three to one today. It's over, man. It's over for Palace. I mean, Palace got to be careful too. Yeah, Palace got to be careful. Well, they fell for you know the they dropped their heads in the second half, and that was the problem with Palace because they were up one nil heading into half. Um, but then you saw Chelsea come out and have energy. Connor Gallagher was able to get the first goal kind of shortly after halftime. But then you watched it go back and forth to about the 88th minute. And then out of nowhere, Connor Gallagher gets a brace. And then one minute later, Enzo just steals the ball and you have one defender back versus three. They just kind of gave up at the end and, and they scored an easy match to make it 3-1. It's, it's you know, I watch Palace and I kind of, I get really worried Right. They're in 15th right now on 24 points. Mm-hmm. But that's not great. I mean, Luton have 20. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they are just, they are right there. They are a match, a match, in my opinion, a match from firmly being stuck in, in the muck of a relegation battle. That's yeah. really concerning. Yeah. And the worst part is they have some talent. Like that's the part I think that that makes everyone kind of annoyed about it is that they have Jefferson Lerman. You know, they have these good talents that yeah. can score, that can push up the pitch. They yeah. have good, a, yeah, that have good energy and work rate. And then they just lose matches like this. I, I mean, you know, I, I just look at it and I say, you know, Roy, great, but it, it's it's it, it, right now it's giving Roy to the end of the season and then good luck. Yep. But as it stands right now, I don't know if they got till the end of the season. With the form they're on, they don't look good. No. And not just the losses, but how they're losing. Like you look at that Nottingham Forest match that they just lost. It, you can't be that mad at it because I mean they came back twice mm-hmm. to tie the game up. There was fight. There was aggression. There was ideas. There was something. But I just watch Crystal Palace and I just go, that seems like there's no ideas. It just feels like there's nothing happening. It feels like there's they're just trying to live off raw talent and nothing else really works for them. So it's going to be really, really tough, uh, I think, for for Crystal Palace in, in the coming weeks. But it just so happens that uh, the rest of them are just... So bad, the, just and That's I mean, true. you know, poor, poor Everton because again, they will be in 12th right now, so mm-hmm. but um, it's just not looking good 
for any of those clothes. But anyway, we're going to take our final break of the day. And then we're going to come back and talk about two huge matches happening on the continental European side. We'll talk about La Liga and Bundesliga coming up. Hey everybody, welcome back to Football Furioso Soccer at the Speed of Sound. Norris Howard here alongside my brother Nolan, the wing back. And often we don't talk about La Liga and Bundesliga, but we have to talk about this. Massive matches that went down in these two leagues. Number one versus number two in both leagues. We want to start. I know it says one thing on the outline, but I'm changing it up. We got to start with Bayern Leverkusen versus Bayern Munich. This was massive, massive. Leverkusen remain unbeaten in Bundesliga, and they end up taking down Munich 3-0 in an utterly embarrassing showing from Thomas Tuchel. It was emphatic. It was fantastic. It was dominant. I've been talking about Florian Verts all season long and telling y'all that he is the next man to get $100 million from Manchester City. Watch out. Because <laughs> if they still in the Premier League next season, he who he's who they're going to get. I'm telling you right now. Kevin De Bruyne, he about 38 years old. Guess who coming right behind him? Florian Verts. Yeah, and I mean... Bayer Leverkusen, I I believe it. I think it's their league to lose at this point. I mean, you said it. I had faith in Bayern Munich until they went out and signed Eric Dyer, and then I realized that this is doomed to failure because <laughs> there's no way you're gonna run a back three against the number one team in the league, and in the back have Eric Dyer doing anything. I'm sorry, Thomas Tuchel, you shot yourself. That is that is that. I hate that I'm this passionate about it because I look at this and I go. Bruh, bruh, Stevie Wonder can see that that's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Like, you really put Eric Dyer back there? Yeah, I think he got like a two out of five. He was terrible. <laughs> he, he was getting beat the entire match. <laughs> I mean, you watch Florian works. I mean, they were all over. They were getting passes, the one twos. I mean, Eric Dyer could barely get a hint of anything in the back back there. Um, but I'm giving all the credit to Leverkusen because you know what? Zabi Alonso had them come out with a plan and you yeah. watch them say, you know what? We want this. And you literally saw Bayern Munich almost look like they were looking at a huge, you know, just large shadow of a figure in front of them and Bayern Leverkusen were not letting up. They said one goal, nah. No, I'm going to do two goals. You know, not even a good, you know, hey, this is a good professional win. Nah, 3-0 against Munich is crazy. It, they were they were completely confounded. Completely confounded. And, and by the way, right, Munich had 61% of the possession. They had all the time on the ball. Mm -hmm. They made all the passes. They were able to do anything, that, and they just could not do anything. One shot on goal. One shot on goal go to Leverkusen's eight. Mm -hmm. So what does that tell me? What does that tell me? The front line, nothing. Nothing. Okay? Leroy Sané, ineffective. Ineffective, okay? Nobody could do anything. Nobody could do... Musiala, nothing. Yeah. It, was, it was utterly embarrassing. It is rare 
right? And and this is it. It's sh- it really is shocking because it's rare to see Bayern Munich get dominated in such a way. Even though they had more of the ball, they were mentally dominated. And you are spot on, Nolan. Javi Alonso, that was a tactical master class. He completely outwitted and outfoxed Thomas Tuchel. And I think that I think that may have decided the season. Now mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I think, you know, five five points is still recoverable. Um it's just at this point I really don't know who could beat Leverkusen. We could see an unbeaten season. Mm-hmm. That would be crazy. Yeah. That would be crazy. I've I've only seen one unbeaten season in the top league. You know who I'm talking about. But yeah. it, it would be great. I would love it. It would be great. And I'm, I would be happy that it wouldn't be like a, the big team, like yeah. a Munich or a Dortmund that does. You know, a Leverkusen season like that would go into the the, the annals of history and, and football, and it would be from a team that's not one of the major big names. Yeah, so and nice. Leverkusen haven't won the league. I think, like, I think I've only won it twice since I've been alive. Like, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. But um, I'm going to just I'm gonna say this because I have to. I have to say this. I am contractually obligated to say this, Nolan. Um, you brought in Harry Kane and Eric Dyer from a certain team, <laughs> and it it's hard not to feel like there's a little bit of of the spirit of that team coming over to Bayern Munich and uh, infecting what's happening <laughs> in a team that is generally unbeatable. Yeah, in Bundesliga, and uh, yeah, just a little. A little bit of spursiness happening. in the front, one in the back, yeah. De- Man! <laughs> there it is. A Spurs sandwich. <laughs> it's a Spurs sandwich. It is the history of the Tottenham. I mean, you can't get a goal up front, and then you're letting them in in the back. Oh, that might be the worst way to do it, actually. Which, by the way, I, I saw this stat, right? Harry Kane has never had a season with a trophy. Kingsley Coman has never had a season without a trophy. Ugh. Since he's been a senior team player for Juventus or Bayern, he has always won a trophy. And that does mean something if you're at Munich. Yes. Given the domination. Yes. <laughs> and now this is it. Like, obviously, they're still alive in Champions League. But the thing about it is, is I, I think when you got... Uh, I, I think when you got Madrid playing the way they're playing, you got City still being City. You got... Arsenal as a new a, a new power emerging in the Champions League. It's not a guarantee that they make the final. Mm-hmm. So, well, they'll pop this tape in and say they're very beatable. They're very if, if we're at our best, of course. They they they're very beatable, very beatable. But anyway, we got to also move on to La Liga and Girona versus Real Madrid. Your boy. <laughs> boy <laughs> arms outstretched he the best man Jude Ballon d'Or <laughs> a he brace he did it again y'all a brace and a 4 nil thumping I mean they got exposed Girona didn't they they did and again Real Madrid had an idea I mean you look at the way they came out in the tunnel Madrid was like okay we can do this. I think that when you don't see them and then they're finally there, you watch them in the tunnel. Madrid said, wait a second, we're Madrid. They walked out and Vinicius got on early six, six minutes goal. Beautiful shot. 
And you saw Girona start to get really antsy. Their passes, you know, you watched some of the passes not to connect that you've seen them do all season so far. And I think that that was the issue. They were in Madrid. You're seeing, you're hearing the crowd. A couple of your passes are coming off the foot hard. And I think that the moment was too big for him, unfortunately. It was and they're too still big. a good team, but the moment was too big for It was him. too big for Girona. It, it's, 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 it's something magical about Madrid. Mm-hmm. It really is. There, There's a handful of teams. There's maybe two, three teams. There's something magical about Liverpool. There's something magical about Manchester United. There's something magical about, you know, Barcelona to a certain extent. There's something magical about Real Madrid. And when you have to play Real Madrid, you have to know that there's you almost have to kill an idea. You almost have to kill what re, the, the club itself. You mm-hmm. can't just go win. You have to you have to destroy what Real Madrid means, and 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 that's difficult to do because it's, they always had a history. It's always like Real Madrid has the has the history of the greats of of yesteryear kind of mm-hmm. at their backs at all times. Just saying, like you're at Madrid, you're at Madrid. Mm-hmm. Which if you hear you excellent, yeah. you're the best of the best. You know what I mean? And that's really difficult to beat. It's really difficult to beat. But I'm gonna start calling them Real Black. Because, uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, to be at this top level, I mean, the quality, and, and I'm just, I don't care how y'all feel about this, the quality and the level of the black players they have mm-hmm. at Real Madrid is crazy. Yeah, I mean, to have Camavinga, Tuchamini, Vinicius, I mean, just... Militao, Ju- even though Ju- he's hurt. Jews I there, mean, Militao, Vinicius, uh, who else is there? Alaba. And they're good players in general, like not just of like athletic wise or they're able to, you know, do class things put passes. I mean, they're class players. They play good defense. They they track back. They tactically, you watch them. They're all in line. I mean, they do everything well. You hate it, but you love it. Yeah, Real <laughs> Black. Madrid. Real Black, man. But anyway, that's going to be it for this episode of Football Furioso. As usual, Nolan, you get the last word. I have to go back to that last Spurs goal to win the match. Every son in the squad, you know, was part of that goal. You had Mattis' son, pass it to Richarlison's son, pass it to Hyungmin's son, and then Brennan Johnson scored the goal. Wow. That's pretty amazing. That's crazy. Uh, I guess word to the Vikings. (laughs) 